body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin. Welcome to Drift. Thank you for letting me help put you into a happy place, a place of sweet endings and gentle tales to take your mind off the world just for a bit and usher you into sweet dreams. Drift is made possible by my sleep sisters, Kathy and Kim, two RNs who founded Envy Pillow and make this podcast free for you. I first found Envy Pillow several years ago, back when I was suffering stress neck pain. Envy Pillow is the certified natural pillow infused with copper, antimicrobial and collagen boosting copper. Learn more in the morning, won't you? At Envy Pillow. That's E N V Y Pillow.com. And sleep with the best. Just before we get into the Queen Bee, let's take a few deep breaths together as you get set to drift off. We'll start with a big inhale and out. Good. And we'll do it again, this time consciously dropping your shoulders, releasing their hold, okay? In. out. Now let's give your body some attention. Start at your feet, and if you're able, swivel them at your ankles. Good. Now the other direction. Now move up and clench your calves, holding and release. Now do the same with your thighs at your backside clench and let go letting your body sink into your recliner your bed your airline or train seat wherever you are now to your belly here let's just take a big breath and fill your chest and your tummy now exhale and relax Keeping your shoulders down, let's move to your arms and hands. Clench your fists and let them go, waving your fingers, waving the tension of your day goodbye. And finally, to your face. Let your jaw hang limp. No more tightening or gritting there. Now relax your eyes, close them heavily. Your eyebrows, they're down. And just let your neck release its hold and allow your head to rest heavily on your pillow. Finally, one more breath in, big and deep. And exhale now. And as you do, think these words. I am safe. I am loved. I am at peace. And if you're ready... Let's drift. This is one of those lesser-known Brothers Grimm stories. 
Unlike some that include wolves eating everything they set their eyes on, and their prey then magically springing out whole. Yeah, no. This one is about a young man whose kindness pays off for him, hugely. But without telling you any more, let's get to the story of the Queen Bee. There were three princes. The first two of the king's sons were proud, handsome, and I can say very full of themselves. But the third son was modest, small, and meek. Everyone thought weak. And he was left behind for all of his two older brothers' adventures. The older two headed off into the world to seek their fortunes, but soon they fell into a wasteful and lazy, foolish way of life so much so they could never show their shameful faces in the palace again. But the youngest sibling, whom we will call Prince Nolan, went out searching for them. For days and nights, seven of them actually, he walked through forests and fields, plodded through rainstorms and swollen creeks, until at last, on the eighth day, he found his brothers, Chad and Frank. Chad and Frank were miserable to their youngest sibling, who was both relieved and delighted to have found his brothers. But were they grateful? No, they were not. They laughed at him until they were rolling in the mud. How pathetic, they thought, that he should miss them so much. Still, they decided perhaps they could teach the younger man something while they were all out in the world together. And so they began their awful lessons. They gathered up all of their belongings and started to walk. After a few hours of trotting through the forests, they stumbled upon an anthill. The two elder brothers grabbed a stick and were all set to knock it down just to watch the frightened ants run about and carry off their eggs. But young Nolan stopped them mid-swing. No, let the poor things enjoy their little lives. I won't let you trouble them, you two. And you know, the brothers actually listened. With loud sighs and shrugs, they threw away their stick and walked on some more. In a clearing, they could see a lake. And there, on the most peaceful blue waters, they watched ducks happily swimming about. Oh, thought the two nasty brothers, we should catch them and roast them for a nice dinner. But young Nolan cried out in protest, You won't. Let the poor beings enjoy this lovely day. I will not let you kill them. The two mumbled under their breath, sorry that what they thought would be fun was denied them once more by their youngest brother. So on they went. Near the lake was a tall, hollowed-out oak tree, splendid in its beauty nonetheless under the bright summer sun. Looking inside what one would have expected to be an empty trunk, the older brothers spotted a giant bee's nest. It was overflowing with honey, so much honey that it ran down the trunk, 
not content to lick the golden liquid off the wood or use their fingers, Chad and Frank had another devious idea. Why not light a fire under the tree, kill the bees, and get all their honey? What a splendid plan, they said. But, as you must expect by now, Nolan was very much against that whole notion. Come on, guys. Just let them enjoy their lives. They're happy. I cannot let you burn them. Surprisingly, once again, the older two brothers agreed, and it seemed that finally there would be no more silly notions of death and destruction between them. As the day grew older, the sunlight dimmed. The three brothers came upon a castle. Maybe its kind owner would offer them shelter for the night, said Chad, quite possibly the best idea he had come up with that day. But as they passed through the stables, they saw horses that were not quite horses at all. They were beautiful, for sure. But they were made of marble. Strange. And nowhere was a man to be seen. Then they entered the castle itself. They walked through all the rooms, timidly at first, and then, with confidence that no one was home, to ask why they trespassed. Finally, they came upon a door on which there were three locks. Strange indeed, but the top half of the door, which was unlocked, swung open so that they could see someone inside the room. It was a little old man with gray hair and a long gray beard sitting at a table. Twice they called out to him, Hey, sir, and then, Hey, you, and there was no response. The third time when young Nolan called out, Excuse us, good man, the gentleman got up and approached the trio. Saying nothing at all, he beckoned for them to follow him. Then he led them to a beautiful table, laid out with a feast, and motioned for them to sit, eat, enjoy. When they had eaten and drunk so much they could hardly move, the man motioned once again for them to follow him, and he led them to their shared bedroom. They awoke with the morning sunlight, refreshed and grateful for having had such a wonderful meal the night before, followed by a great night's sleep on soft and comfortable beds. Before their eyes could adjust to the light, the little man came into their room, took the sleeve of the eldest brother, and led him to a marble table. There he laid his eyes upon three tablets. Written on each was an account of how the castle might be freed of the spell it was under. Now, we aren't told why the eldest brother agreed to try to help the old man. Perhaps he found in his jaded heart some pity or some gratitude for having been shown such amazing hospitality. But Chad did indeed read on. The first tablet said to go into the wood, and there, under the moss, lie the thousand pearls that belong to the king's daughter. 
you must find every single one of them, and if one is missing by the time the sun sets, he who seeks them will be turned into marble. Well, this seemed to be quite an undertaking, with the worst possible outcome for failure. But don't forget, Chad had quite a strong sense of self, too strong to be honest with you, and was quite sure he could pull this off and reap whatever rewards would most surely await him. So off he went into the woods. He searched for those pearls for the whole day, and found a few here, a few there. But as the daylight dimmed, he had found but one hundred of them. And so, just as the tablet had promised, he was turned into stone. Oh, dear. Undaunted by the fact that his older brother had not returned, the next day Frank decided that he would take a look in the forest, find those thousand pearls, and it would be he who would be the hero of the day. And so he searched, and he searched. Just like his older brother, he could only find one hundred pearls. And that was far from a thousand, too far. So at sunset, Frank was turned into stone. At last it was Nolan's turn. Because he had such a good heart, Nolan was concerned about his brothers. What had become of them? Were they all right? But still, he thought he should try to break the castle's spell and help out the old man, who had been so kind to his family. So on the third day, he agreed to go searching for the pearls. Poor Nolan, no luck at all, not even finding one hundred, like each of his brothers before him had found. So he sat down on a rock and began to cry. Was he to lose his siblings and become a man of marble as well? As he sat there, a tiny little ant came near his boot. But he wasn't tiny in the ant world. No, no. He was the king of the ants, and he happened to reign in the kingdom of ants, which Nolan himself had saved when his brothers had raised a stick during their travels through these same woods. The ant king remembered and came to help Nolan, bringing five thousand of his fellow ants to aid in the work. And soon, they had found every single one of the pearls and laid them in a heap at the young man's feet. You can imagine his surprise and delight. He thanked the ants again and again, stepping carefully as he gathered the pearls and took them back to the castle. The old man was delighted, gave the helpful young brother a delicious supper, and showed him to his bedroom where, exhausted but relieved, Nolan had a wonderful sleep once again. The next morning, the old man was pulling at his sleep shirt sleeve and led him back to the family table with the tablets on it. Now there were two. The second tablet there said, The key of the princess's bedchamber must be fished up out of the lake. Hmm, thought Nolan. How can I possibly do that? I don't even know how to swim. So 
he shook the old man's hand and left the castle once again, heading to the lake he and his brothers had visited, the one with the ducks upon it, playing so peacefully that sunny day. As he stood pondering at the lake's edge, there he thought he spotted two of the same ducks he'd watched frolicking so happily without a care in the world. He called out to them, and they swam to the shore, and it was there that the young man explained his plight and asked if they might find that special treasure at the lake's very bottom. Well, speaking of bottoms, soon all he saw were tail feathers as the pair of helpful ducks dove down and retrieved that princess's bedchamber key, the very one that Nolan had been sent to find. He thanked the ducks and scampered back to the castle. Treasure safely tucked in his pocket, he wiped it upon his shirt as he presented it to the old man. The man was quiet, but happy, and he ushered Nolan to a table set for a king. Nolan ate. He was lonely for his brothers and wondered about their well-being, but he was also hungry and tired. So, after a full meal, he went to bed and dreamed sweet dreams. The next morning he awoke before the sunrise, lying in bed, thinking that he was ready to help the old man, in whatever way he could, with what would surely be a tall order on that third tablet. But let's see, he thought. What could it be? Would he have to climb a mountain to bring down an eagle's egg? Would he hack his way through dangerous bramble bushes to find a magic amulet? Who knows? So he got up, and when the old man arose from his night slumber, young Nolan was already waiting at the table for him. As he expected, the third tablet did indeed call for heroic measures. But before he was allowed to read them, the old man gestured for Nolan to follow him down the same hallway as the young man's room, but to the next room. Opening the door, the young man was astounded to see there laid three young women, all frozen in time, all now looking as though the world's best sculptor had carved their likenesses in marble. The young man gasped, then covered his mouth, as though afraid to wake them from their slumber. Not that he could have, of course. Oh, no. It would take far more than that. For as the third tablet laid out, Nolan was to choose the youngest and the kindest of the king's three daughters. Now, as he had seen, they were all beautiful, and as a matter of fact, Perhaps it was the marble that had created this effect. They looked identical. But Nolan was given a hint. The eldest daughter had eaten a piece of sugar before she was frozen in stone. The next, some sweet syrup. And the youngest, a spoonful of honey. The quest that he faced was this. Determine which daughter had eaten the honey. The young man asked the older gentleman to leave the room. There he opened a window and sighed out to the rising sun. Ah, oh, me! How on earth to determine which sister ate what? But with that quiet question, 
came an answer almost immediately. For into that open window flew a bee, but not just any bee at all. It was the queen bee. Gently, because she had heard his plea, she landed upon the lips of all three. But at last, she sat patiently, waiting for Nolan to notice that the third sister she tried was the one who had eaten the honey. Oh, thank you, sweet bee, cried Nolan, and he ran out of the room to tell the old man that he had, with help of course, determined which was the youngest sister. And as the words escaped his lips, there came through the castle a magical whoosh, blowing open all of the windows as though breathing life into the entire place and all of its stone inhabitants. The spell had been broken. All who were stone were once again in their proper forms, and life in the castle was back to normal. You may wonder now, just what became of Nolan and his brothers? Well, when the spell broke, Chad and Frank also returned to their human forms, for better or worse, and ran back to the castle to see what had become of their brother. Well, he was rewarded in the most wonderful of ways. He was offered the hand of the king's youngest daughter, and she gratefully reciprocated, while Nolan's two brothers were wed to the other sisters. It was a wedding for a fairy tale, as three sisters married three brothers. And many years later, upon the king's death, Nolan became king of the land and declared that no more should there be cruelty of any kind to any living thing upon which the sun rose and set. And the old man? Well, we don't know who the old man was. But he helped make for a wonderful story, didn't he? That, my friend, is a happy ending of the best sort for everyone. And it's where I will leave you with the story of the Queen Bee. And with that, I will wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs>